Hello and welcome to episode 218 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Vienna, Virginia. This is Ben Olson. With me is Nathan Fox in, where are you? You said you're in a hotel. I am in Sacramento and I am on a boat. I'm on a boat hotel in Sacramento. I um okay. I came up north. <laughs> I came up north yesterday to see my uh 7th grade niece. Uh her, she played a basketball game yesterday and I wanted to yep. make sure I saw her at least once this year, so I surprised her. Um and that was delightful and then uh before I could fly back home, I just uh had dinner with friends here in Sacramento and then the like cheapest hotel like hotels I use hotels tonight all the time when I'm on the yeah. road and mm-hmm. um the <laughs> the cheapest one that came up that was like good reviews and stuff was the Delta King Hotel which is a big like river boat like from like the Mississippi River style like a big steamship paddle boat okay that they so it's converted into a hotel here in Old Sack yeah mm-hmm. permanently docked there. And and permanently, just, yes. I do not think it is ever going to move before it's <laughs> retired. Does it move around? Does it no, rock no, at it's all? Like no, it is totally attached to the dock, and uh, it's it's funny. It's like it's very old. Um, it has like eight foot high ceilings, probably. Oh, okay. If that, um, actually, probably shorter than that. Maybe they're seven foot ceilings. I don't know. It's uh, kind of cramped, but I slept like a baby and. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a silly adventure. Yeah, had breakfast this morning in the kitchen, in the like dining room, looking out at the river. Okay, so, yeah, it's lovely. There you go. Today on the show, we're gonna tackle an email from someone asking about the LSAT demon lessons. Uh, we're gonna wait. What is this? Someone was fired because of the LSAT. Okay. Can't wait to hear about that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, We're going to talk about reapplying after one semester of law school. Uh, Hmm. A funny demon explanation. I think I asked Annalisa to share your explanation with the listeners because it had some good educational value as well, as usual. Um, How do 509 reports work? That's something we talked about a long time ago, but just a refresher for anyone who missed that episode or episodes long ago. Um, We have a question about not declaring ethnicity and Joan's personal statement. Uh, This will air on November 11th. Uh, That means you have a couple weeks until the November LSAT, which is on November 25th. Uh, You can always email the show at help at thinkinglsat.com. Send us your selfies if you're so inclined. Leave us a review on iTunes. We always appreciate that. Yeah. Do you want to say anything else before we jump in? No, that's a lot to cover. Let's do it. Okay. So this first one (laughs) is from Mammy Bear. Uh, Okay. What materials would I have access to if I were to enroll in the course? Books? Live lessons? Previously recorded lessons? A study plan? Nathan, what would this person have access to if they enrolled in the LSAT Demon class? They're asking if they enroll in the course, but they're not really, they're just signing up for the Demon. You can yeah. get a subscription and you can get a premium subscription, and that would include access to the course, which is perpetual. What would they get? Yeah, well, the premium, you get three diff- three more things with the premium. You get access to the most recent tests, so tests 62 through 88. 
you get um, access to the extra help sessions that Shay and sometimes Matt filling in, but mostly Shay has been doing these uh, drop-in extra help sessions on Zoom, which uh, I really encourage people to go to. Man, I think that that can be super, super helpful. I've, I've heard nothing yep. but good things from people who have gone to those extra help sessions. Yeah. Um, so that's two hours a week or sometimes more on Zoom. Uh, we're experimenting with the days. It's uh, been Thursdays, and I guess we're experimenting now with doing them on Sundays. As well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and where you can just drop in and ask a real live human um, whatever questions you've got, and you can also see other students there in the Zoom chat. Um, yep. But we have recently uh, joined forces on a course. And I'm not sure, Ben, are we calling it course or are we calling it lessons these days? I well, can't it's remember. a course with lessons. Yeah, so either way. It's one. a course of lessons. <laughs> um, and it has uh, all of our LSAT fundamentals that we did via the podcast. It also has uh, just substantive, like topical lessons on, you know, things like sufficient versus necessary or different question types or, I don't know, all sorts of different. Um, lessons in there. I'm actually, I don't know if you do this, Ben, but I've been encouraging my TAs for my LA and San Francisco courses to send students to those lessons. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, you know, just things like sufficient versus necessary. I mean, I can teach it in class, but sometimes people are still struggling with it or they need a refresher or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we've got all that content. (laughs) We've covered that ground. uh, Well covered that ground. Yeah, and it's all there times. in those lessons. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you can just—it's basically like a you know—it's a full LSAT course that you can take yourself through if you want those substantive uh, topical lessons. Yeah, and that course includes our audio from the podcast. It includes written content from our books. It includes videos from our classes and quizzes, right, on some of those topics. So. Uh, we keep yeah. adding to it, really. One thing I was going to add is you talked about the extra help sessions with Shay. We are also uh, inviting people to join virtual proctored exams every other weekend or so, so you can take a test along with other people in the Demon. Yeah, I mean, it, there are reasons to take a live classroom LSAT class if you feel like you really need the... Um, you know, shoulder to shoulder style camaraderie, or if you need that like motivation mm-hmm. to get your ass out of bed to come and study, uh, come and work on the LSAT. Th- yeah. That's like the, the real good reasons to, I mean, and they're fun, I think, the live classes. Mm-hmm. So there are reasons to take the live class, but if you're not going to take a live class or if you're not in, you know, DC, LA, or San Francisco and you want to study with one of us, I think all you got to do is the Demon Premium. I just don't think you need anything else. Yep. I agree. And you can do it on your phone and just study all the time, anywhere. It's so pointless to take a live Kaplan or Princeton or whatever. Like, I just, please don't do that. <laughs> if, you, if you like our style and if you, you know, if you want our best advice on how to prep for the LSAT, you, please trust us. Like, just do the Demon Premium, do all those lessons, come to the extra help, do the proctored exams. And just do the demon. That's really, you don't need anything else. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for writing in and asking about that. I hope that uh, you sign up. That's lsatdemon.com. 
All right. So this next one, fired because of the LSAT. Uh, do you want to read this? I'm curious. Sure. Says, hey, guys, I heard on an episode the question of whether or not to tell your job that you're going to law school. Ben, do you ever need to say whether or not? No, never. You just say whether. You just say whether. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um <clears throat> Well, I had learned that one kind of recently. Oh, okay. And now it, yeah. I, it jumps out at me all the time. I, oh, yeah, you just can say whether. Yeah. Um, so uh, the question of whether to tell your job that you're going to law school. So I thought I'd share my story with you. I was fired after telling my job my plans to go to law school. Hmm. I'd mentioned going back to school before and the company assumed I'd be taking classes part-time and work toward my CPA. I told them I wasn't interested in using the company's tuition reimbursement because it locks you into a two-year contract to work there after the last semester they helped pay for. Casually, I mentioned my plans to become a lawyer and my interest in tax law. The next week, I was fired because the company wanted someone who planned to stay with the company long-term. I'm not planning to go to law school for at least two years, but I don't think the people there liked me anyways. It's now a month later, and I just got hired at a new company. Overall, I think it's worked out for the best. In my first two weeks of unemployment, I took my PT scores from a 161 to a 167, exclamation point. I'm still working to get my score higher. Thanks for all your hard work. Crash. Crash the Bandicoot. That's a video game reference, Ben. Okay. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. Mm-hmm. What do we think about getting fired because of the LSAT? Um, well, it sounds like there could be more to this story. I'm <laughs> Ben wants to know the other side. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about the part where Crash said, uh, uh, da, 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 da. I don't think the people there liked me anyways? <laughs> well, I think that they might that might have been the icing on the cake for them or the nail in the coffin, <laughs> right? Like they're Straw like, that broke uh, the camel's back? Yeah. <laughs> what other analogies can we come up with? Yeah, <laughs> I. it sounds like, I mean, I have to be somewhat sympathetic to this position. Uh, companies are investing in their employees in terms of time and money yeah, and effort. Yeah, of course. And so, you know, it sucks. Uh, but at the same time, it sounds like they're like, hey, we don't like you anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Crash. <laughs> um, and now, no, I mean, a reason to like, let's just end this. I yeah, I would have fired you. That's too, what it sounds like. Yeah. I totally would have fired you. I mean, when you're saying you you don't want to do, they have a tuition reimbursement program, and you're like, nah, because I don't want to work here for two years after uh, after that. <laughs> after you stop paying for my school. Um, I don't want to work here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> They're like, well, probably time, good time to part ways then. Yep. If you're not committed to sense. us, we're not committed to you. That's how it works. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. That's that's how it goes. But anyway, you yeah, landed I'm on glad your you got a new job. Yeah, got a new job, and your scores seem to be going in the right direction. I suspect that they'll drop down a little bit on that journey to wherever you're going to end up. But congrats and keep up the good work. Yeah, thanks, Crash. Cool. So the next one, reapplying after one semester of law school. Hey, guys, I love the podcast. I'm seeking addendum advice. I enrolled, by the way, I like the start of this email. It's very short. 
I enrolled in an unranked law school this fall on a conditional full-ride scholarship. Hmm. Must stay in the top 10%. But after a month, I realized how much I hated the school. Top 10%? Yeah. That's God damn, that's, how many of these full rides do they give out? Because if they give out, you know, 20% or 30% full ride scholarships, it's guaranteed. Then it's it. a death match for <laughs> for the people who <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's Although I've said it a million times, that's such a great such a great it's a great strategy to take one of those deals. If that's the best deal you can get, take that deal. And then if you lose your scholarship, just give up. Just drop out. Sure. Yeah, but anyway, you fail, that's fail not the, the death match. Yeah, okay. Yeah, if you fail the death match, then that's it. That's it. Just you know, yeah. Anyway, so it says after a month, I realized how much I hated the school. Now I'm a, hmm, I'm mm. like, I'm like, did you hate the school? Because all these schools are very similar. They're pretty much doing. Yeah, the you same sure you don't thing. just hate law school? <laughs> okay, so I mean, I okay. think about that all the time. Like, I hate Hastings, but do I hate Hastings because I hate Hastings, or do I hate Hastings because I just hate law school? I think we just hate law school. Yeah. I mean, the ABA has basically dictated that they all have to offer the same classes their first year, essentially. I don't think they're any different. I mean, yeah. There no, are the differences. differences are totally marketing, though. Yeah. I mean, it's where it is, and it's like who the school, who the, who the students are. Sure. What the hell is this person talking about? Whoa. The rest of this is freaking me out. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. KK says, I had two options. Transfer to a better school after the first year and pay the fifty thousand dollars scholarship back. Oh, really? That's part of the deal. Oof! This is your conditional scholarship. You have to stay in the top ten percent and stay. <laughs> wow! Or withdraw, retake the LSAT, and reapply. Well, I'm. I'm concerned. Are they saying that? Is he saying that he has to pay the seventy-five thousand scholarship back if he withdraws 57. too? Fifty-seven. I don't think so. No, I think it's only if you transfer. Whoa, whoa! There or at least that's how I'm reading this. I mean, yeah, I that's know. how I'm reading it too. But that doesn't make sense to me. Like, if they really want that money, that badly, they'd want it if you decided to withdraw too. Anyway. I withdrew and signed up for the November LSAT. How should I address this on my future applications? Hmm. Sounds like Kay didn't have to pay this $57,000 back. Great. I'm taking Ben's class and have seen a huge improvement in my accuracy. Oh, wow. Welcome, Kay, to my class. I had no idea. How do I address this on my future applications? The fact that you went to law school and left. It's not going to look great. Uh, yeah, I mean, hmm. (laughs) But I mean, if they want you, they're going to want you because of the numbers anyway. I mean, I'm sure that's a red flag. It's a red flag. Maybe it's an unranked law school, right? I guess you could just say, I knew I could do better for myself and decided to look for something better. That's flattering to whatever school you're applying to. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yep. I think that's what I would yep. do. Because that's it's like essentially bitching what is about happening. your <laughs> bitching about your ex <laughs> to your new your new love 
<laughs> You're like, I just decided to raise my standards. <laughs> I was really selling myself short. And now I've found the one. Yes. So much better. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, good luck. I mean, they are going to ask you about it, right? It's on the application. They're going to ask you if you've ever been enrolled before. They are going to ask you, yeah. I think they. I don't even know if they have to ask you. I think they might. Mm, but yeah, they're going to ask you. Yeah, and you're going to have to say it. And I mean, you know, well, I don't know. I would think a real short, don't get specific. Pick probably one reason, not four, right? That's what we see people do all the time on Addenda where they make too many excuses. Yeah, yeah. That's not going to be good. We don't want that. So, yeah, <clears throat> I think the unranked thing, I, I could see that making sense. Mm-hmm. Just say that you, you thought that the school wasn't going to give you the employment options that you were looking for. Yeah, that's a good that's a good actually angle to take. Just say I didn't fully understand the employment implications before accepting a, f- a full ride to this school. And now that I better yeah. understand the situation, I have decided to withdraw and seek a better school that would give me yeah. better employment prospects even if Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't you whatever you do, don't bitch about the faculty yeah, yeah. Don't like bitch about your colleagues or whatever. Just take it on yourself <clears throat> that you were, yeah, you didn't know what kind of a deal you were getting yourself into. You, you, yeah, you weren't, whatever Ben said earlier. Yeah. About the employment options. Yeah. I think that's a good angle. That would explain too why you moved forward and then changed your yeah. mind. Yep. Uh, okay. Oh, this one. The the one that you thought was funny. Well, so I think I thought it was funny, but I also also thought it was good. It, you got a good point here about these older tests. Are you are you game with reading this, or you yeah. didn't seem as excited about your explanation as well, I? Well, I am a connoisseur of my own work, and uh, I you know I didn't think it was my best work, but um, yeah, no, I mean it's. Uh, it's a decent example of the style, I suppose. Sure. Um, well, so I'm why don't I read this question from Aiden, sure. Aiden, and then you um, you read your own explanation in your Sounds voice. good. Okay, so Aiden writes, I don't have a question. I just wanted to praise the explanation. This is from the LSAT Demon, by the way, in which you can click the Ask button on any question that you've just attempted to get further clarification, but Aiden's writing, I don't have a question. I'm just going to hit the ask button anyways and communicate with my friend Nathan. (laughs) (laughs) And I just wanted to praise the demon, he says. You guys are so fucking awesome and smart. Oh, that's nice. I got it right, and I was thinking the exact same thing, but the whole part about freaking out over nothing was just so beautifully articulated. Keep up the good work. Now, (laughs) here's the explanation that was written by... Nathan Fox. So this is from, this is a, by the way, this is a question from prep test 10. Mm-hmm. So pretty old test that, but it will, it will pop up in the demon or you can just do the entire test in the demon. But I, I was surprised when I saw this question. Um, all right. So here's, here's the, here's my explanation. I wrote LOL. It's a quote, strengthen the least question. 
On PT 85 or 86, maybe 84, I don't know, somewhere in the 80s, there was one question on one official LSAT that caused hysteria and panic. I was inundated with emails like, you'll never believe it, Nathan. It's an entirely new question type. It said, which one strengthens the least? I had no idea what to do. OMG, what is even happening? What type of question is that? Holy shit. My immediate reaction was threefold. One, calm down. Every single LSAT that's ever released causes unjustified panic. Trust me, I've been doing this a long time. Two, question sounds an awful lot like a strengthen accept question, which we've seen a million of. And three, why can't you just adapt to a slightly new question type? You're being told that there's one answer that strengthens the least. This could mean, in theory, that all five answers strengthen the argument. But if so, then the one right answer is pretty much guaranteed to be a terrible strengthener. But it's far more likely that the correct answer will be irrelevant or even a weakener. And now I have a fourth reaction. It's not even new. This question right here from way back on PT10 says, the paleontologist's view would be least supported by the truth of which one of the following? That's a strengthen the least question. The question on PT80 whatever wasn't even anything new. The big takeaway here is that the LSAT is largely a test of how hard you can work. If you've worked really, really hard, then you've seen this question before. Blah, blah, blah. That's basically it. There you go. It's a good lesson. I tell that story in my classes all the time. I mean, I've probably told that story on the podcast before. Yeah. But it was, yeah, I mean, it it was striking to me because I do remember when that test came out and people were freaking out mm-hmm. about the strength in the least. And then, yeah, sure enough, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's actually super old. It's just one of their dumb tricks that they decide to break out again, um, you know, 80 practice tests later. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, when we did, I did test 88. That was the September LSAT that everybody was crying about, the games, in class the other night. And I think I talked about this on the show last episode or the episode before that. None of the games were too crazy, but each one, I think, had a a rule that was somewhat unusual. Not hard, necessarily, but a rule that you don't you haven't seen 10 or 15 times before in other games right yeah um and so that rule can kind of slow people down cuz it's like what well, what is this rule saying what is exactly is it saying and what does it mean but it each one of those rules that was unusual were rules that i have seen before because some random test from the 40s or some random test from the teens has that rule and so it's like, okay, yeah, I've seen this rule. Um, anyway, the the class after that, we did a test or a game from test uh, 19, I think, or 17. I can't remember, but it was in the teens. And I was like, this rule is just like that rule in test 88. And there you go. It's like they're going back to the past to... Yep come up with new ideas for how to make these games seem innovative or different or throw people off, right? So anyways, same point, but just yeah. in the games. And I like to give them credit for, I, I like to think that maybe they actually think about it as a test of how hard you can work. I mean, it would be one of the best things they could test 
if they were testing for your capacity to be a lawyer. Sure. Seeing how many of these old practice tests you will do is like basically the best possible test of whether you're going to be a lawyer or not. Do them and review them, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I don't mean hammer every yeah. single test without reviewing it. I just mean like study them, yeah. get to know them, learn what's, learn what's there. I mean, by the way, this is how law school works. They let you see the old exams. So, you know, it's not like a trick. They're not hiding anything. It's just like, do are you going to do the preparation? Yeah. Or not? Yeah. And and if you do the preparation, yeah, I I've had the exact same experience with with all the old with the old LR and with the old uh, games. It's just like, oh, huh. Yeah, I thought that was new on prep test 79. Yeah. Turns out it was actually from prep test 9 <laughs> or whatever. Just same old shit. I mean, hey, the the question that everybody struggled with the most on prep test 88 was the change a rule question yeah, at yeah. the end of game three. Yep. And they didn't do that for like 40 practice tests. They didn't have any change of rule questions. Yeah. Kind of they faded had like out. Rule in substitution. Like the yeah. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have a like take away a rule and add a new rule. And it was like, oh, but we can do that if we want. Here it is. Yep. <laughs> and if you had done all the old prep, you wouldn't have, you know, really been phased by it. Yeah. It's good stuff. So get to work. I would like to uh, encourage everybody, um, just because it's kind of on the topic, uh, please continue to hit the ask button in the demon. You know, if you're not if you're not hitting the ask button, I'm curious whether you're really studying or taking full advantage of the demon. Sure. Yeah. Um, We will get back to you. I think right now I'm running like a two day delay, something like that. But um, I'm working on it all the time, and um, the team is working on it. We we will get back to you. Pretty quickly, normally. Yeah. Um, so please, please continue to do that. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan, and Matt, and everybody else. Yeah. No, I mean we got a good team. Like it's it's working. So, <laughs> but I mean it. We do rely on this on the students to. Th- that's something that I say in class all the time. Like I just we rely on the students to tell us what they don't know. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't hit the ask button, if you don't say, hey, I need help. Then we don't know what you yeah. need help on. Yeah. So maybe you can do that online via the demon. Yeah. So this next one, how do 509 reports work? I guess I'll read this. Hi. Sure. I was hoping for some clarity around the details of the way the ABA 509 reports work. Specifically, each school lists tuition by what appears to be noted as a per semester price. But then the scholarships grants are noted in the following section include 75th, 50th, and 25th percentile grant amounts. Those grant amounts appear to be a full year amount as opposed to a per semester amount, like what's noted in the tuition section. Can we just stop right there? Sure. I think that for some schools, they list annual tuition instead of semester tuition. Hmm. I've, I've noticed a discrepancy there that they do list that differently for different schools. Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. I, I'm pretty sure because I mean I don't I don't think I would have just made that up. I think that that is a thing. Yeah, I'm looking at just to provide an example. Um, I am looking at Georgetown 509. So I just googled okay. 509 Georgetown. That's all I googled, and the first search result is this PDF. These ugly ABA PDFs, and the full time tuition for residents is sixty two thousand. That's what they're listing here. Don't think that's for the semester. <laughs> so they're listing Georgetown's listing it for the year. Okay, um, 
let's see, because I'm in Sacramento, beautiful Sacramento, I'm going to look at McGeorge School of Law, which is right downtown. Um, good connections to the Capitol, as I understand, by the way. Hmm. If you want to work in California government, I think McGeorge is not a bad mistake. Um, by the way, they give scholarships to 96% of their class. Uh, <laughs> 32% of the class gets half to full tuition. 2% of the class gets full tuition and 6% gets more than full tuition. So if you add that all up, that's uh, 40% of the class that's getting half to full tuition. Hmm. Uh, McGeorge does list by semester. Interesting. It even says per semester. So we have, we have uh, confirmation that some schools list their tuition and fees by year and some by semester. Yeah. Grants and scholarships, um, it's definitely by the year. Okay. Right? I mean, if it doesn't say per semester, it's got to be for the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, because here their 75th percentile grant amount is 36804 but the per semester tuition and fees is only 25656 mm-hmm. So they're not giving a 75th percent grant amount that's $11,000 more than the tuition per semester. Yeah. That's got to be annual. This is interesting. So Georgetown, um, 70, 70, sorry, not 70. I keep getting my numbers mixed up here. 57, it's that same number. 57% of the class is receiving grants. And this is a top school, top program. So if you're not receiving a grant, you're in the minority and you're funding everyone else. How's that break down? How many get more than half? It's a good question. Okay, so 35% get less than half. 21% get half to full and only 1% gets a full tuition and no one got more than full. But 11 yeah, which makes sense. I yeah, mean, 11 people got that's a huge class. Wow, they have almost 2000 students. That's for the total school, yeah. 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 And and they don't I'm sure they don't reduce or eliminate, right? They don't reduce or eliminate. Oh, yeah, so conditional scholarships. So over here on the left, the school does not award scholarships that may be reduced or eliminated based on law school academic performance other than the failure to maintain good academic standing. Yeah, yeah, which that's like getting kicked out of school for just totally spacing out. How about, Um, yeah, your place. Yeah, McGeorge, um, conditional scholarships for 2017-2018 academic year, 103 entered the year with a scholarship, 46 of those were reduced or eliminated. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's how they do it at these, you know, lower ranked schools. I mean, like, like we said, they're going to put you into the death match. Yep. But the truth is, if you're going to lose your scholarship at McGeorge, I'm questioning your ability to you know, really practice law. Like, looking at the, their 75th percentile LSAT is 156. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, it just depends on what so, the condition is. Do you have to be in the top 10% or top 50%? Well, no. I mean, I'm just looking at um, the number that entered and then the number that were reduced or eliminated. right? I mean, that's like a better stat than what you have to do grade-wise, really. Well, it shows it's just how like, hard it is, yeah. Yeah. They just, I mean, that's how tough it's going to be. But like, you could compare that to the field. You know, the, the field is... The 50th percentile LSAT is 153. The 25th percentile LSAT is 148. Yeah. So we've got a school that's ranging from 
you know, the middle 50% is going from 148 to 156. Mm-hmm. And then you have about a f- little less than 50% chance of losing your scholarship. Yeah. So it's, you know, it just kind of seems like you've got to be in the top half of the class, roughly. Or, well, that's of the scholarship kids, though. Hmm. Anyway, all this information is available on the ABA 509. I'm shocked still when people are like, huh, 509? What? Yeah. It pulls back the curtain here. Yeah, there's a reason why this shit is not on the front page of their application. Yes, <laughs> and why it's in an ugly PDF that is required <laughs> to be posted on their website, but not necessarily obvious or easy to find. There's so much garbage information on this thing, by the way. I'm sure That's people the other are thing. lobbying for that. Like how? Oh yeah, totally. Like the schools are like, well, of course we need to put how many full time and part time librarians we have. <laughs> That's critical information. We need to know yep. how many seminars and co-curricular offerings there are. <laughs> and all this bullshit. Number of upper division classroom course sections. Oh, classroom course sections with, yeah, like the enrollment numbers, like how big the classes are and stuff. It's like, okay. <laughs> all that is hiding like the scholarship information. Yep. And the conditional scholarship information. The other thing that's interesting to me is uh, sometimes the part-time programs are substantially lower in their numbers, right? And sometimes they're not, but you can just find all that information right here. If you really want to go to a certain school, maybe part-time is the way to go if you want to get in. Yeah, McGeorge um, is kind of interesting. Um, the uh, The GPA ranges are lower for the part-time program. Significantly lower. Yeah. Like three-tenths of a point lower, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, But the LSAT is actually a couple points higher on the high end. Really? Hmm. It's the same on the 25th percentile, but it's a couple points higher on the high end. You know what, though? There's only 20 people in the part-time class, so that's a pretty small sample. Yeah. I can see why um, the the grades would be lower. Like they've been out of school longer or something? Well, just... People who didn't, so I think part-time programs tend to have older students. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And but going back to law school is frequently something that you do if you kind of did shitty undergrad. Like you weren't that great of a student, you weren't that serious about it, didn't know what you were doing, didn't have like amazing options to go straight into grad school right after undergrad. Yeah, yeah. But now you've worked for a while, and now you're realizing like, oh shit, I really want to do this. Kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. very, very commonly. Like when I have older students in my classes, they almost always had terrible undergraduate grades. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. If you had done better, you would have probably landed a career that you'd be more happy with now and not going back to law school. Or gone straight to law gone straight to grad school right after right after undergrad, right? Yeah. Like if you're like a academic killer, you got a four coming out of undergrad, then grad school is like kind of an obvious option. Yeah, but if you had a three coming out of undergrad, it's like you were not thinking about going to grad school, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway. Anna continues. I just wanted to confirm that I was reading these reports correctly. As I'm building out a spreadsheet of all this data for the schools I'm applying to, and have come across schools like Bayer University, whose 75th percentile grant amount, fifty five thousand, is much higher than their tuition. 40,000. I suppose they're just giving out some really big, more than full tuition scholarships. Well, you can actually 
just read how many more than full tuition scholarships there are. So yeah, you can do the math on that. I mean, unless they're giving more than twenty five percent of their class, um, more than full tuition scholarships. I'm just looking up there right now. Let's just take a something's look. wrong with that math. Yeah. Um. Wow. So yeah, three percent of their class. I mean, that's not a huge number, but fourteen students are getting more than full. Um, yeah, but that wouldn't be the seventy fifth percentile no, grant amount. No. And the yeah, their tuition, which is twenty thousand, is clearly per semester. It even says it. Wait. So what does it say on Georgetown? Does it say per semester? Wait. What does it say? Seventy fifth percentile grant is for Baylor. Sorry, one sec. I just went back to um, Georgetown. Let me go back to Baylor. Seventy uh, fifth is fifty five, seven hundred. So fi- how's 56. that possible? <sighs> That's not possible. Well, they're hmm. Not if they're only giving three percent of their class more than full tuition. Full tuition is only two percent. That is weird. So. That's a glitch. That's an error on the form somehow. There's no way that doesn't make sense. That does not make sense. So full tuition is 2%. So 5% of their class is getting full or more. And then they're saying they're set, they're, that 25% of their class or of the people getting grants is 55000 Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Call them and ask them. That doesn't make any sense. There's no way that's right. I mean, it says their 50, 50th percentile grant amount is 32 grand, which would be, you know, half to full. Wait. But they're only giving 38% of the class half to full. Oh, wait. Of the people who give grants, or of the people they're giving grants to. No, but they're yeah. giving 77% of the class grants. That Let's doesn't make here. sense. Those numbers can't possibly be true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Baylor, get your shit together, Baylor. <laughs> By the way, um, everybody should listen to the Dr. Death podcast if you haven't already. Dr. Death? Please mm-hmm. elaborate. It's about a neurosurgeon who was at Baylor University Hospital and he was actually killing people on purpose. He ended up getting convicted of murder. Uh, okay. For killing and we should people. listen to this? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should. It's awesome. It, it has very. Hey, Baylor's got to be fucking weird, man. It's in Waco, Texas. Okay. Uh, they. Yeah. They, um, it has, uh, I think you would really like it, Ben. It has really interesting, uh, it's, it's about, it's basically about U.S. employment law. It has a lot hmm. to do with that. Oh, okay. Because what happens is, um, doctors, when they leave, uh, like a hospital, like if they're going to get fired or let go or whatever, yeah. um, the hospitals will never like give a bad recommendation to anybody because they're afraid of being sued. Oh, okay. And they're like, hey, so this they're guy, leaving anyway. So this dude was just a straight up like coke addict, ego maniac, had killed multiple patients, like just multiple disastrous outcomes. Wow. Showing up at work with like holes in his scrubs, like the same dirty scrubs that he had been wearing the day before. <laughs> and this guy's a surgeon, like a neurosurgeon. Wow. He's wearing the same dirty scrubs as the day before. And he's like just getting passed from hospital to hospital. But Baylor University Hospital was like really heavily implicated in this um <laughs> in this dude's whole situation. And yes, he actually did. It's very rare 
for a physician to get convicted of, or for a surgeon to get convicted of a crime, but he actually got convicted of like murder for. Yeah, because <laughs> you have to show intent, right? You can always have this plausible right. deniability of like, hey, yes. things didn't work out. It's surgery. What do you expect? Yep. Huh. Dr. Death, check it out. It's really good. Okay. Hey, I want to go back to one thing here on the Georgetown yeah. 509 report. So uh-huh. I am confused. Uh, it says under the tuition and fees section, right, which is what uh-huh. uh, Anna was writing in about, it says that the full-time tuition is 62000 right? So I'm interpreting that to mean per year, but it says right here, it says right above it, I don't know why I didn't see this, it says per semester. So is it, does it cost sixty two grand per semester to go to Georgetown? Like that sounds ridiculous to me. Um No, that can't be. There's no really? Do you think Georgetown costs hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a year? <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at their huh, okay, we have a worksheet. Please note that okay. No, this says 2019-2020. Tuition is 64000 So this, this 509 report is misleading, at least. Because it says per semester, but it looks like they're giving us the annual tuition cost. Yeah. Yep. And anyway. I You know, it's a form that probably is not generated by the LSAC. It's probably generated by the school and like the school fucks up when they produce the form. Oh, sorry. Yes. Someone had to, but I mean, that is, that makes job. them look horrible. If you were trying to research law schools and you were using this for like, I wonder how much Georgetown costs yeah. $62,000 per semester. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, this is the PDF that's on their website right now, by the way. Get your shit together, Georgetown. Everybody needs to get their shit together, Ben. That's the theme of the podcast today. Yeah. Okay. That would include us too, I'm sure, on some level. <laughs> oh, trust me. More than some levels. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Anna continues. Um, on one follow-up question, when they're talking about scholarship grant amounts with the percentiles like noted above. Those are scholarships, right? They're not including federal student loans and are just talk, taking out and being required to pay back later. No, no, these are not loans. These are scholarships. We're talking about grants. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, thanks so much for your help. As always, love the podcast. Thanks, Anna. Thank you, Anna. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for listening. We have a question here. Uh, dearest Ben and Nathan. Dearest. I don't think we've seen that uh, before. That's awful kind. Um, <laughs> thank you for hosting such an informative yet entertaining podcast. Why does it have to be yet? Um, Standards are low in society. Inform- informative is supposed to not be entertaining, apparently. What? It's surprising. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I get it. Um, I am in the process of completing applications for the 2020 law school cycle. And the question of declaring ethnicity is on each one. As a Caucasian, I wonder if declining to respond might prove helpful. No, it won't. 
Do law schools think less favorably of admitting Caucasians because of their lack of diversity? Thanks for all your helpful advice. Regards, Bella. That's an easy one to answer, huh, Ben? I would say just answer it, yeah. I would say it doesn't matter. Well, if you don't answer it, they're just going to assume you're white. You're white, yeah, they're going to (laughs) know. So just answer (laughs) it. It's not like a secret. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, blacks and Latinos, if you're out there wondering if you should say your ethnicity, yes, you should. Just say it. Say it. Everybody just say it. It will help you, so say it. (laughs) If you're white or Asian, it doesn't matter, because if you don't say it, they're going to assume you're white or Asian. Everybody knows the game we're playing. It's not... (laughs) It's not... By the way, it's not going to hurt you, whites and Asians. Um, You've had lots of other advantages (laughs) in life, and you always will. Yeah, it's becoming... It's tough, because some people, you know, they give a lot of options, because... Feel like more and more people are having, you know, ambiguous ethnicities, which is, <laughs> I don't know, it's interesting. I guess they're <sighs> they'll just keep providing more options. Right now, I think uh, if you want to, you can answer your gender too, right? And didn't we have some email like a while ago telling us that there were like twenty three options or thirteen options or something like that for your gender? For gender. Oh, that yeah. might have been on the like an LSAT. Uh, an LSAT I think that, survey? yeah, it was on the LSAT, yeah. Yeah. Lots I don't of know. options these days. <laughs> yeah. Answer it, don't answer it, whatever. Bella, you're going to get in based on your LSAT and your GPA and your personal statement. So yep. don't worry about it. Ready for Joan's personal statement? Yeah. Okay, I guess I'll read this. So... Are you going to be able to sound out these words, Ben? I might not. You know, that's one of my challenges in life. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do my best. Lugging my two oversized bags across the unpaved, iced-over roads of the north Macedonian town of Kumanovo at 2 a.m., I knew I needed to make my next decision. Oh, yeah, thanks. Um... I, I don't like this intro. Well, it's not the worst we've ever read. It's not the worst. It's not the worst. But I, I, I get the sense it's like I'm, I'm gonna be let down. Like there's this big, like <laughs> you know, setting the scene, unpaved, iced over roads, and it's like, oh, you're stuck somewhere. I don't know. It, um, it's got um, some problems. I mean, it it promises a story, which is it I can does. see that being good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just there's some stuff that it's pretty clunky. Ben, you stumbled a little bit, and I stumbled a little bit too, reading it silently mm. on unpaved, iced over roads. Yeah. Just it's choose like, one. Pick one. Yeah. <laughs> also, I don't really care about you lugging your oversized bags. Like that's just not I don't know. You're not it's like, yeah, I get it. You're trying to show me a it's very cinematic, right? That's what I'm I, saying. I'm 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 very skeptical of such cinema. I'm not saying that it can't be yeah. used and 
when it should be used, it can be powerful. But here too, I just don't. So we have all this cinema and then the the core of this sentence is, I knew I needed to make my next decision. Um, That's the part I like the least. Yes. It's like, what? Like, is your decision going to be like, do I leave some of my bags and move forward? Like, I don't know. It just, um, it's sounds like it's building up to something really dramatic and my f- senses were going to be disappointed, but we'll find out. Uh, either way, it's I still vague. haven't known. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. It's vague. It's like, get to the point. It's not specific. It's like, what is your decision? Yeah, you could just say, don't, I decided. <laughs> stop. Yeah. Tell the story. You got to get deeper into the story before you start it. Yeah. I want you to start at the point where you actually decide. Just if, your first sentence. Just if, tell me what the decision was. If that decision is even worth talking about. We'll right, see what happens. Right, right, right. But I'm just storytelling wise. Yeah. Don't waste space introducing the idea that you're going to need to make a new make a decision. Also, I knew doesn't need to be in your personal statement probably nope. ever. Nope. Right? Like people are always talking about the things they know or the things they felt or whatever. It's like, nah, what'd you do about it? Yeah. I knew I needed to make some ambiguous, you know, I'm going to make a decision. All right, about what? Like, what are we talking about? Anyway. Yeah. Um, Side note, by the way, about the phrase, I knew. um, It's a a little bit unrelated, but I've flagged it in a couple of our clients' personal statements this week, at least two or three different clients. They say things like, I had to do X, Y, Z. And I think that the phrase I had to do X, whatever that is, is something that you should be hypersensitive to and think twice before saying, because it's a very passive construction. It's not showing you taking action, solving problems. It's showing you (laughs) like in a predicament. And so if you're saying that a lot throughout your statement, um, I think people think it can be impressive, like, oh, I had to do this, and then I had to do that. Mm. But it, actually, it just takes you out of the decision-making role. It's like, oh, there was a problem, and I decided to do X, or I did X, or I did Y. It's like, I had to do this. It's like you were compelled to. Um, that's not mm. as impressive to me. It's a, it's a subtle change, but it can make a difference in how it sounds to the reader. Sure. Yeah, I would like to see you as a person of action. Mm-hmm. I would like to see you just solving the problem. Yeah, like I'm less about the predicament, much more about the yeah, exactly resolution. What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. So she continues. Um, as I traveled into the Kumanovo town center, my thoughts centered on two things. Uh, <laughs> Again, with the thoughts. <laughs> I also don't like center twice here. Um, oh, center and my thoughts centered. Yeah. First, uh uh-oh, I don't think this is a sentence. First, on how cold it was this Eastern European December morning. That's not a sentence. (laughs) It's not a sentence, and it's also not interesting. No. Oh, it's cold wherever you are. We know it's already iced over. You already said the roads were iced over, yeah. Second, on how I knew there were two options I had left. What are the two options? God damn Neither it. Neither of those are sentences, and you're just, again, leading up to this big decision. Boy, I can't wait to hear what this big decision is. Yeah, like, 
the first sentence was too much buildup, and now the le- next three sentences or fragments are just more buildup. And wasting my time with the weather. Yeah. <laughs> Which we've done a lot on this show, but this is your personal yeah, sure, statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, I lived in North Macedonia for a year working for the Peace Corps, and I was on my way home for a few weeks to recover from a sickness I acquired during my service. Um, so you're you're sick, okay? Uh, my first year. The Peace Corps is on your resume. <laughs> Um, you having to go home for a few weeks from a sickness that you're not going to name, you know, it's vague, right? So it's you just a like cold, a flu, something much more malevolent, <laughs> something terrible that you're like, you're not willing to mention or I don't know. It's just, yeah. Okay. Okay. My first year of service was one of the toughest years of my life. That's telling. Oh, so hard. Oh, hard, hard, mm-hmm. hard. Well, what was hard about it? Oh, here we go. And I had to decide, do I want to continue? Is this Ooh. even right for me? <laughs> I hope this, so this sounds like this personal statement is going to be like, I had a hard choice and I chose to continue. Did you see the semicolon? Yeah, it's weird. That's not correct, is it? And I had to decide. No, yeah, you want a colon there. Yeah. What they, did you have to decide? wanting a colon there. Yeah. Everybody, just don't ever use semicolons or colons. Just don't do it. You, nobody knows how to do it right. Just no don't do knows. it. Yeah, the only time you can use it is when we put it in your personal statement. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say, I hate to break it to you, but it's true. Like, you just, you, you don't know how to do it. I mean... Most people don't know how to do it. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So she's deciding if she wants to continue. This is the big decision. Should she continue? Hey, by the way, I just had a thought. This is kind of random. Mm-hmm. So people don't know how to write, right? And when we do the personal surf- <laughs> statement service with people, like you were just saying this the other day, we're, we're providing all this these comments and this feedback and these suggested changes and part of our goal there is also to teach them how to be better writers. So I had this thought, just as you were talking about this, revoking these uh, semicolon privileges, that people really, sh- if they're going to do the service with us, they should do it and then do their writing sample. Because oh, I think their writing sample is better after they're done with the service. I mean, I can't believe percent. how many you people know comment on what they learn from what we... yeah. I'm thinking we need to start maybe including that. Um, I've always for years said don't practice the writing sample. Yeah. But now that it's typed, yep. if if what we're hearing from admissions folk, who which I don't know, admissions folk are uh, some good, some bad. I mean, there's some that I really love uh, you know, that I've met personally that seem super great. Um, but there's also some that are like complete scammers and liars and there's others who have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> be careful where you're getting your information when you're talking to admissions people. Um, but if what we're hearing is correct, and we we hypothesize that this might happen, mm-hmm. um, they might actually be looking now at the writing sample because it's typed. 
Yeah, people can write and if more, they are, and it's clear. Mm-hmm. If they are, we might we might want to consider a little like including that as part of a class or a lesson in the demon or because yeah, we could have people do one and then we could trash it. Actually, let's do that. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's see. How do we do that? Well, June 2007 is still free, right? I think so. Well, there has to be a writing sample that we can talk about, right? There's got to be, yeah. So how do we do this? We have someone submit a June 2007 writing sample to the show? Yeah, I think so. Um, so I'm Googling June 2000, 2007 LSAT, the PDF, which is available on LSAT.org, pops right up. And if we go to the very end of that PDF, do we have the writing sample? We do. So there's a writing sample topic, and it's on, well, anyways, it's like four or five pages from the very end of that PDF. And just so if you haven't done instructions, yeah. Yeah. If you would like to be a guinea pig on the show, if you would like to hear a critique of your writing, which will help you, go to uh, Google June 2007 LSAT, find the writing sample. Read the instructions carefully. Yep. Um, I mean, maybe like watch our videos about how to do the writing sample. Yeah. We've talked about the writing We've sample. We've talked a lot about it before. So save yourself a little effort and, and yeah. silly mistakes. If you think you have some idea what's going on, how about that? <laughs> or you watch, find the videos and watch them. You can find them in the yeah. demon. Or, yeah. 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 Uh huh. If you're brave enough to submit to the show and you think you have. A half a clue. Do the writing sample. We want them to do it timed, yeah? Yeah. 35 okay, so minutes. do it timed. Just put 35 minutes on a stopwatch and uh, or a countdown timer on your phone and just type it up. Treat it, take it seriously. Like you want it, you know, not I guess you're not gonna be able to use spell check and all that, right? That is correct. So yeah. So turn it, turn off, spell check, grammar check, do it in like notepad or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then email it to help at thinkinglset.com. You'll know you're looking at the right writing sample when it starts out saying B- the Rodriguez's. Wait, what? Oh, is it not the Rodriguez's? No. This, well, the one I'm looking at right With now Anya? is BLZ oh, Stores, an established men's clothing retailer. Okay. With a chain of stores in a major metropolitan area. So that's the start of the writing sample. Fascinating. Topic. <laughs> Yeah. And so find that, do the assignment 35 minutes. Don't cheat. Don't give yourself two extra minutes just in case. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Send it to help at thinkinglsat.com and we'll get it on a, an episode of the show so we can trash your writing. Yeah. But that's, that, cool. that's a great point, Ben. I want to say something else about our personal statement service, by the way, which you can learn more about. At thinkinglsat.com, if you would like to pay us to shit on your writing, it, it when we make those suggestions in the doc, yeah, mm, nominally they're suggestions, but like most of the time, you should probably be accepting them. If you're going to mm-hmm. reject them, like there should be a reason why you're rejecting it. If yeah, I'm not sure questions. about something, right. I'll say I'll put a comment. You know, yeah. I'll say, "Well, this is just an idea. I'm not sure about this." 
Yeah. <laughs> but if it's just better, then I'm going to make the suggestion, but I'm not going to just make the edit for you. You at least have to hit accept. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of that is to teach you to be a better writer. Yeah. I really want I want you to see the edits that are happening in your writing. I want you to become a better writer. Yeah. I don't have like moral qualms. <laughs> Do you, Ben, have moral qualms about like, oh, you guys are just writing people's personal statements for them? No, not at all. I, we're like I don't really give a shit. Like <laughs> Well, we're not we're not really doing that though. We're no we're, we're constantly not. editing and saying rewrite. Different topic, expand more, shorter sentences. Um, sometimes I'll like edit the first paragraph and then tell people, "Yeah, do you see I've how you I do that did a lot. this? Do the do the same thing for the rest of these, and then I'll take a look again." See how That's, I took out all the extra unnecessary words? Yeah, yep. can you do that, please? Mm-hmm. And then we'll look again, and we yeah. go through 10, 20 different like rounds of revisions. But I don't know. Yeah, if, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, please, if you, yeah. And please pay attention to the edits that we're making. Like, I don't like it. People sometimes, I think, hit the like accept all button. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, yep. <laughs> it's like, okay. I don't morally have any qualms with that. What I'm saying is, I want you to stop being such a shitty writer. And if you would like look at that feedback, then you would become a better writer. Yeah. That's all. Cool. All right. Should we continue on? Yeah, we should continue. So, this is we're at the end of the first paragraph where she's saying that this is one of the toughest years of her life and she has to make this decision. Do I want to continue? She asks. Is this even right for me? As I would be back in the United States for a month in recovery, it was feasible for me to stay home, throw in the towel, and never return. With all of this in mind, I made my decision. <laughs> We still don't know what your decision is. We still don't know. Oh also, you haven't even gotten home yet. Oh. You're still lugging your two oversized bags across the unpaved, iced-over roads of this North Macedonian town at 2 a.m. And so, like, you haven't, like, you still have this sickness. You haven't even been back to the U.S. yet. It kind of shows, like, poor judgment, too. Like, you're sick. Why are you lugging luggage on an iced-over road <laughs> at 2 in the morning? I mean, I didn't think pre- about that. Well, she might be stuck. I don't know. She might be stuck, but we have no indication of that. All it sounds like is, <laughs> I'm sure you had feel felt like you had to leave then, but why? Like this, I don't know. Anyways, next paragraph, she says, "I decided I did not want to stop." Now, by the way. I don't like this topic. I think you should talk about something else. But if you are going to talk about this, saying I decided I did not want to stop to me is like focusing on the negative. I would restate this in the positive. I decided to continue. I don't know. Yeah. And also this whole thing can be thrown out and you should be the moment to start your story if this is the story you want to tell, which I don't really love it either but if that's the story yeah the moment should be when you're getting on the airplane to go back yeah like you had just recovered from this illness and it was questionable whether you should even go back yeah but you decided to get back on the plane to go get into the frozen tundra that's exactly it's right it's just such an odd decision of the, like the moment to present yeah where she's leaving to go home and recover but that's where she was making the decision that she was going to for sure go back. Yeah. You don't know that until you get on the plane. Yep. I don't know. 
odd. Here we go. We got I knew again. I knew that if I could get through the hardest moments of my service, I could get through anything. Oh, don't say that. That's just like, it's all telling for one, but it's like overly, it it comes across as naive. I don't think people understand that their triumphs, which are triumphs, and we're all growing and we're all learning things and having realizations, even when you're as old as us idiots. Um, But when you make an epiphany to a lot of other people, it's like, I'm glad you finally realized that. And here saying I could get through anything actually suggests that you haven't learned that much because right? can you, can, I can't, I don't know how hard your service was. We still don't know because you just told us it was the hardest thing in your life. But I can imagine that there are millions of other things billions of other things that are harder than whatever you went through. I just, I don't know. I haven't been through them. That's just the world that we live in. No, I mean, you and I, Ben, have been through one half of our lives. We don't know if we have or have not encountered the hardest thing that we're going to encounter in our life. Yeah. And Joan has been through, presumably, a quarter of her life. Yeah. So she has even less data and just her just deciding that, you know, if she could get through the hardest moments of her Peace Corps, I'm not saying it wasn't hard. It's probably harder than anything I ever did. But I'm saying you don't know what's around the bend. And so it's we, just like, yeah, it's yeah. that naive, like, oh, now I've solved all my, you know. <laughs> Nothing will be harder. Now I can do anything. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, I just think <laughs> about... I don't know where you were and what the challenges they were facing there. I mean, I guess we know where you were. You were in North Macedonia, but um, (laughs) I just imagine there's even harder places. You know, it's like we're taking her literally. Yeah. When she says, I knew if I could get through the hardest moments, I could get through anything. We're taking her literally, which makes her look naive. Yeah. But maybe she didn't mean it literally in which case because the first thing when I, I thought when I read that I was like okay this is just a platitude it doesn't sure. actually mean anything sure so which is it it either doesn't mean anything in which case you should omit it or if you mean it literally uh, you probably need to rethink that well I would add that the legal community tends to lean literal I think oh yeah Absolutely. So I don't know who's going to pick this up and read it, but they're probably going to have that literal bent too, just FYI. When my focus shifted, huh? Your focus shifted from what? My problems were no longer problems. This sounds like psychological (laughs) baloney. They were opportunities. As I returned to Kumanovo, to continue my service, my goal became finding work in which I could impact my local community. Mm, what work was your in goal which before? I could impact my local community. Work in which, through which, I could impact which. my local community. But even impact, um, by the way, just never use the word impact. I, I don't. Vague. <laughs> so vague. Yeah. Also, yeah, right, exactly, Ben. <laughs> She's already in the Peace Corps. Yeah. And now you're going back there looking for opportunities to impact the community. I thought that's what. I thought that was the point. Okay. 
Okay. I don't know what you were doing before, but I lived in a village in Nigeria for some time as an adolescent. And from that experience, I knew connecting directly <laughs> with my community members would afford me the solution I was needed. What? I was huh? needed. The solution I needed? Yeah. Maybe? Okay. Or that was needed. That's just a huh. edit typo thing. So she's telling us that the way to figure out how to impact her local community is to connect directly with the community members. Which is Again, it's obvious. like a revelization <laughs> yeah, for you, but... Huh? Okay. There's two I spaces my before that sentence. Yeah, I saw that. Hmm. Um, you have single spaces everywhere else, which is nice. I don't like that it's time traveling. Why are you okay. all of a sudden talking about your adolescence? Uh, yeah. Like, I, I, I think thought we were going back to Kumanovo to... and doing things, and now you're like telling me this little anecdote. It's just, it's jarring to be like, I lived in a village in Nigeria. So if you just read that sentence, right? So look, yeah. she had just returned to Kumanovo. Kumanovo, yep. sorry. Kumanovo. Kumanovo. She had mm-hmm. just returned to Kumanovo. And then the next sentence goes, I lived in a village in Nigeria for some time. And you're like, huh? As an adolescent. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're like, wait, is Nigeria <laughs> near Kumanovo? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So she continues. She knows that she's going to connect with the community. Connect- members to figure out how she can impact them. Yep. I use my network of community members to find a viable organization. Um, I don't know how you use them. I'm still having trouble seeing what you're doing. After meeting with every organization I could, okay, now I see you meeting. I don't know what you mean by organization. I connected with one local advocacy-focused NGO. I have advocacy focused NGO. I don't know what NGO that is or what it's doing. Yeah, this it's, organization it's, it's per- too, way too broad. It yeah. sounds like overselling, kind of. She's yeah. using her whole network to find an organization. <laughs> she meets with every organization she could. And then it's like, okay, but why don't you just tell me about the one that worked out? And then Which be specific. Like, the reality, right? There was one organization. Use their name. It was a small NGO. <laughs> That's the okay. problem with when you when when it looks like you're trying to throw in too much. Mm-hmm. Then it just looks like you're, you know, it just it looks. Every, people start getting skeptical. Or your reader's just going to be like, really? Yeah. She continues. This organization presented a challenge. I still don't know what organization, what challenge. I haven't learned anything, really. Their mission is to provide and strengthen the access. Whoa, okay. Their mission is to provide and strengthen the access to legal aid for the Roma, the most marginalized group, not only in North Macedonia, but in the entire region. I don't know why we need to make that claim. Um, Okay. So what are you going to do for them? Mm-hmm. Once I solidified my new partnership, oh my gosh, this is like way overselling. 
it makes it sound you're like and then i orchestrated the beginning of a new company and my ngo which was assisted and started by myself it's like <laughs> you solidified your partnership i imagine you met with them and you're like how can i help and they're like yeah do you want to put out flyers <laughs> like yeah, I know. I'm getting Solidified very skeptical. My new partnership is like you've signed a big deal or something. Yeah, you're you're walking in and you're saying, "How can I help?" You're not bringing. Right. I mean, are you bringing the Peace Corps with you? <laughs> and, and then you're creating if a you partnership. You are. Then talk the about Peace- that. Yeah, say it. Once I solidified my new partnership, I began assisting the executive director of the NGO, a middle-aged Roma man, in writing. Hmm, comma okay in writing grants and advocacy projects what this is again way over the top in general like let's talk if you want to talk about something start your personal statement with this while helping this ngo or this executive director i (laughs) did this project and let's talk about Mm -hmm. one of these advocacy projects and what you did for it Mm-hmm. Anyways, you continue. I often conducted field work in the slums of Kumanovo, which consists exclusively of the Roma, for projects aiding marginalized citizens' access to justice. What did you do? You did yeah. all these projects, but I'm not hearing about any one of them in particular. And access to justice is so vague too. Like what? What is actual? What do they need? How are you helping you t- them get what they need? Yeah, you could talk about one project and one family or person in that project and how you helped them. What did you do? You connected them with an attorney. You told them their rights. I don't know. Like, what did you do? Did you get up in the morning and go to <laughs> the community and find people who were seeking help? Did you, I don't know. Anyways, speaking with the residents about their legal rights, we discussed healthcare and legal housing access. Okay, okay. Now you're telling me a little bit more. But even that, it's like two different things. Interacting directly with mothers, I saw the joy in their faces as they told me how this newfound knowledge would improve their lives. I thought you were telling them knowledge that's going to improve their lives. I guess they're thanking you and telling you how much it will help their lives. But you already knew that. But I don't like the we discussed healthcare and legal housing access. Like, what does that, why? It's too high level. It's way too high level. Are you an expert in healthcare problems in the area? Are you an expert in legal housing problems in the area what did you do to become that expert did you like how did you get them healthcare what what was the improved access that they got be specific yeah you're like here's Is a there phone a number hospital call this that number? they didn't know about that you could take <laughs> them to yeah is there i mean it, legal house legal housing access what is legal housing access? I don't know. <laughs> As opposed to illegal housing access? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, they're living in the slums. Like, are they, are they maybe they're just living on the streets or like in squats or like what kind of like, I don't know where these people are living, how they're living, because you haven't told me any really details about it other than just said slums. 
but legal housing access, like I want to know what that actually looks like. I mean, is there a, a housing, is there, are there housing projects that they didn't know about that now they have access to, or is there just like, what? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. like, I, I just literally don't understand what you're doing at all. I know you're talking to these people and allegedly you're working with the executive them, director. Yeah. You're getting them healthcare and, and housing, but I don't, I don't know at all how you're doing that. Okay. So I don't so, like, I'm not seeing what you do other than go to, go to Kumanovo, Kumanovo and be in the Peace Corps. I don't really know what you do besides talk to people. Yeah. Now, Joan, as you listen to this, might be upset. You say, hey, look, I'm about to tell you a story. So if you are, it looks like you're going to go into a story here. That's great. But this might be where you need to start your statement. Let's take a look. Right. That's super common that we cut the first half, right? Yeah. It's like, okay. You got to the point in your life where things got interesting. Now let's hear about it. Also, um, I should just, before I forget, these paragraphs are too long. The entire thing is four paragraphs. Yeah. It needs to be more like eight or ten paragraphs. Hey, to be fair, this might be a new paragraph right there. I think that... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even right. so, though. I saw that, too. I yeah. would like shorter paragraphs. Okay. Um, even so, yeah. I, I think people just generally <laughs> have paragraphs that are too long. Yeah. I will never forget meeting as as Senna. How would you say that? Yeah. Aysena, maybe? Aysena. I will never forget meeting Aysena and her four-year-old son, Dennis. She was the victim of domestic abuse with no legal documentation and no available housing. I helped her petition the Ministry of Justice and aided her in filing for her right to legal citizenship and housing beginning in January of 2019. As, a, as the Roma are classified as a traveler group in Eastern Europe. Hey, you've done this twice. You've used as to mean because. Just use because. Mm. Because the Roma are classified as a traveler group in Eastern Europe, obtaining Asena's, Asena's, Asena's documentation was convoluted. I helped compose various petitions and appeals to the courts simultaneously. Reading and translating these documents for Asena allowed me to see the nuances of the law practice as I would advise, there you go again, as, because I would advise, file, and resubmit her case documents along with a lawyer of the organization. Okay, so there are some things that we need to change about this. One, you're trying to sound too much like a lawyer, like you already have law knowledge. Um, But I like this a lot more. I'm starting to see her doing shit. This is much, much better. Yeah, this is much more what that it ought to sound like. Yeah. Yeah, like you could you could skip all like I think you were trying to say at the beginning of your statement, like I persevere or I can endure yeah. hard things. It's like, no, don't tell us that. Just just start right here. Um when I was in the Peace Corps, <laughs> I helped or you know, I hmm I showed Roma how to get legal housing in Kumanovo. Yeah, you're in Eastern Europe working in the slums with the Roma, helping them get healthcare and housing. If you wouldn't have told me that it was cold and that it was hard, yeah, I would have assumed it was cold and hard. 
Yeah. And well, here, just seeing her do this stuff shows that you're competent. You can go somewhere else in an unfamiliar region of the world and navigate, I imagine, a legal system that has its own intricacies and challenges, Mm. maybe worse than the United States or anywhere else, and solve problems. That's what we're looking for. People who can get things done. So this is good um, where this is starting or, Mm -hmm. or where this is going, I guess. Once we sent our last petition for her case, we did not hear back from the court for months. Finally, in October, Dennis and Asenia Asena were granted citizenship and an ability to have independent housing. By the end of my time with the organization, I assisted in the filing in filing in the filing motion. I assisted in the filing motion for over two hundred cases. Um. Yeah. Last sentence is a little broken, but um, mm-hmm. I think what I would like to see is a little bit more about what you do to help the lawyer, what you do to help these families. Maybe we need two or three of these stories and totally dig yeah, into even them. just one more where you had to do something a little different for them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to give another angle on the type of work that you were actually doing. Just another example of the type of stuff you were able to help people with. Yeah, like here you're giving them citizenship and independent housing. How about someone else where you get them healthcare? Perfect. Yeah, and what did you do for that? And yep, what when you say you assisted the lawyer of the organization, can you go into a little bit more? I mean, here you say reading and translating. That's these documents. Um, okay, and that itself is a job. Uh, what else did you do? I, I can imagine that there's a lot of, just think about your day and like just start saying, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did this. And some of those things are going to be menial and boring, but I'd rather see a bunch of that and then cut out stuff that's unnecessary than all the stuff you said in your first two paragraphs. And um, yeah, I'd rather see that. I'd rather see that action. Yep. Anyway, yep. she continues, last paragraph, the Peace Corps country... The Peace Corps country director later named me a spotlight volunteer for my work in Kumanovo. I don't like that. To me, that just like undercuts the whole thing. Mm. It's just like, I get it. You won an award and you're trying to highlight that, but it's probably on your resume. Yeah. It, it's And it's like, mm. is it that? Impressive. Like, I thought, man, you were just telling me about the work you did with Dennis and Isena, about how you got them housing. Like, surely that's a more impressive detail than this award that the Peace Corps gave you. Yeah, it's like focusing on yourself versus focusing on what you've done, which ironically reflects better on yourself (laughs) than this comment. Not that you shouldn't say this, you should point this out in your resume or something, but by taking the time to say it, it's kind of like those annoying people at the party that are like, oh yeah, and I, I got my my first promotion today. It's like, sweet. <laughs> Where did that come from? Yeah. This is getting worse now again. Uh-oh. I closed out my service with a speech on behalf of my cohort about the story of my service. So you're telling us a story about you telling a story. On behalf of someone else? About yourself. <laughs> On behalf of your cohort. Okay. 
In front of all the remaining volunteers, the ambassador to North Macedonia, the country director, and American embassy staff. Uh, you need to come here. I shared my story as a testament to my cohort to persevere in the face of doubts before we embark on our next journeys. Ugh. I hate it. This I hate awful. it. I can't, I can't say how much I hate that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> she wants us to see her standing in front of thousands She's of people. She's giving this. I mean, <laughs> hey, I, sorry. Who is this again? Joan. Joan. Joan, I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't hate you, Joan. I'm, I'm just like, tell me more about the work you did in, in Eastern Europe. Like yeah. this, 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 I mean, and I'm sure that this speech was like a really big deal. And if it was, you can probably have that speech on your resume. Yeah. But I don't need you to be telling me a story about the speech you, you told. I don't, it's just so like this now is that, okay, the whole thing was for self-congratulatory purposes. It's not about the actual work. It's about how you know great all y'all are. No, I don't yeah. know. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. That's what it. Obviously, I do not feel that. That's what you actually feel. I don't think that's what you're actually saying here. But that's how that reads. Patting yourself on the back. I don't. Yeah, it's not good. Um, but it is good news. Like, so if this is true, and I assume it is, then. You must have done a lot of work in Kumanovo that was noteworthy. And so that means there must be a lot of good stuff to write about. And that's what you need to focus on. I hope. Yeah. She, I, oh, I, she hmm. worked on 200 cases. Like, yeah. tell, just tell me more of those stories and I'll fill in all the rest of the blanks. Yep. We'll get it. We'll say, wow. I mean, there's so many things that are unsaid, but very obvious. You work hard. You're willing to go to another country. You can translate. That means you speak more than one language. Think of all this stuff that we've gotten out of that third paragraph, or really, I guess it's your fourth paragraph, um, that we did not get out of everything else. So this last paragraph continues. My service has been the breeding ground of courage, a characteristic I am better equipped with than when I arrived in North Macedonia in September of 2017. Mm. That's all telling. I'm courageous. And just, (laughs) oh my God, just, just show me the stories. I would totally have reached that conclusion on my own. You were in the Peace Corps working in (laughs) Eastern Europe in the slums, helping people. I would have thought you were the most courageous person in the world until you started telling me about this speech and how, how courageous you are. (laughs) Um, okay. My satisfaction working with the Roma rights NGO came directly from the legal aspects of the work. Okay. We don't, mm. working with a, a little team, wordy. You could just say, I enjoyed the legal aspects of my work. Yep. Working with a team of lawyers and executive and executive director in an organization and the, the, directive, the executive director. director in an organization dedicated to advocating for human rights on an international level. Were you? Or were you getting... I, I thought you were in one country getting someone's status. That seems a little overselling, doesn't it? It seems overselling. The problem with overselling is if you go an inch too far, then you take the wind out of all your sails. It's just like... I just start doubting everything you say. Yeah. 
Let's say you ran a mile in six and a half minutes, but you tell me like five and I don't believe you. And now all of a sudden it's like, I don't care that you ran it fast. (laughs) Yeah. It's anyways. um, Or when people do that thing, like, well, how about like Fagman when he's like, we're in the top 17 for this category. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm proud to announce that our school is now top 12 for genitorial cleanliness. (laughs) I did. I did over 23 I helped over 23 different clients. You know, it's like, oh, all right. (laughs) (laughs) 24, maybe? (laughs) I don't know. All right. So working with a team of lawyers and the executive director in an organization dedicated to advocating for human rights on an international level gave me firsthand experience. By the way, don't ever use the phrase firsthand either you mm. got experience or you didn't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> first she uses the wrong word huh well she poor word choice right here too oh yeah first hand experience into the impact of the law eh? experience into <laughs> with <laughs> Yeah, with or on, but even anyway, experience with the impact of the law. It's just words. It's just like, it's like, no. It's just words. Well, it is. That's what people do, man. They just like keep saying words. (laughs) Stop with all the words. Well, and they're using impact again. Don't ever use that word. We've banned several words here. We banned um, semicolon, impact, firsthand. Something else, I can't remember. Now, after serving in North Macedonia for over two years, whoa. Just say two years. Wait, what? Just yeah. say two years. Just say two years. Well, the I other mean, thing I'm reacting It react- wasn't three years. You would have said three years. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'm reacting to is the, the anomalous like number, the numerical number two. Oh, instead of the word two. T-W-O. Yeah. So here's the rule, yeah. everybody. You write out one through ten with letters, with words, and you, you and for eleven and up, you use the actual numbers. Yeah. And the exception to that is if you want consistency in your sentences, you may choose to use both numbers, even if you have a number that's above above ten and a number that's below eleven. Um, in any case. Uh, now, after serving in North Macedonia for over two years, I am looking forward to gaining a legal education to assist the members of my community as a qualified attorney. Um, the members of your community? What community is that? Because all we talked about was Roma. The, the, the totally obvious... As a qualified attorney, I don't ever, that's so common in these statements and I don't know where people are getting that from. I mean, say what work you want to do. Sure. You can replace that sentence entirely with, I hope to do blank, but you don't need to say as a qualified attorney, like we understand what the purpose of law school is. Yep. Yeah. Like if you want to go back and work. Gaining a a legal education. Yeah. Just say what you want to do. Sorry, Ben, I interrupted. No, no, it's okay. Yeah, like it's it's weird because 
I'm okay with ending a statement that says, I want to go to law school because I want to go back and work on a legal team for the Roma. That would be interesting. Right, I'd be like, perfect. okay, I know you did this, um, but you actually want to, this is why you want to go to law school. You want to go back and do this. A lot of people may want to go to law school and just go on with their lives. Um, so you could say that, and it'd be credible because you just told us this whole story. Yeah. Do not say that if you've never gone to <laughs> yeah. uh, the slums of North Macedonia, but you have. No, you got to have so something to in like, your story to back it up. I just don't, yeah. I hate when people say they want to get a legal education or they want to be a qualified attorney. That's just like, uh, you're still just talking. It's just like words, 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 words. They're so obvious. They're not helping you. I mean, this is an application for law school. You are yep. trying to get a legal education. That's very clear. The whole purpose of law school is so that you can become a qualified attorney. Like we already knew that about you. So I don't, but boy, like half the statements we see, people try to put that into the, like they think they need to sum it up with that. Yeah. And or they, they like to say, like, not. how about this one? Given my aptitude and skills for reading, writing, and research, I am now applying to law school to harness these skills. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. really? Okay. Glad you well, put I that mean, together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't talk about, yeah, just generally don't tell me about your skills. But then the, I mean, I don't know, the worst part about that whole thing is I am now applying to law school. It's like, yeah, no shit, dude. I'm reading your law school application. I'm a law school admissions person sitting in the law school admissions office of a law school. <laughs> <laughs> with a stack of law school applications in front of me. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, so Joan, take paragraph four in your five paragraph statement, delete everything else and tell us, like create three or four more paragraphs that are just like paragraph four and let's learn about what you did. Yeah, maybe make it two paragraphs about Isenia and Dennis and then maybe mm. two paragraphs about some other family or person that you were able to help and yep. just show yourself getting people dude you are getting fucking homeless roma without citizenship status in eastern europe whatever in macedonia you're getting these people housing you're getting these people healthcare just show me those stories and everything else you do not need to force down my throat. I'm going to be making all of these conclusions about you without you, you know, like, it's just so heavy handed. Yeah. Like the word courage does not need to be in your personal statement. Justice does not need to be in your personal statement. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Those were the other words, by the way, that's, I mean, that's a great point. Like sometimes people struggle with finding something substantive and meaningful to write about. It's like, what have oh you done? God, yeah. right? You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was a, I was in a student organization. I was the treasurer for that student organization. Totally. It's totally. Like, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, did you make any financial decisions? Nope. I just kept track of the books. It's like, okay, well, let's see here. Let's look for another story. What else have you done with your life? And here, you have some shit to talk about. And you weren't just there for three months. You know, sometimes no. people go and it's like almost like a vacation. You were there for two years. There's got to yeah. be a lot of fucking good stuff to talk about. So two, I'm very optimistic. Dude. Just, yes. Anyways. 
two years in Kumanovo is enough to write 10 different personal statements. <laughs> Probably so, yeah. Compared to like a lot of the, you know, yeah, we have clients who like, boy, we're like desperately searching through their history to find something, you know, substantive enough. But you don't, Joan, you don't need to make any conclusions at all, man. That's like scoreboard. Just tell me a couple of these stories and that's all you are going to have to do. And it's totally, you're you're done. It's easier. It's much easier than you think. Mm -hmm. It's like she's trying way too hard to, you know, introduce it and set it up. And boy, looking back, this whole drama about whether she wanted to go back or not, it like really, really is a distraction from the 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 very powerful stories that she could actually tell. Hundred percent. You know, yeah. whining about being sick and or about how it's cold or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay. Also, you work with homeless people. <laughs> you know, who are don't have citizenship, housing, or healthcare. Yeah, but you're whining about your own. I don't know. It's like, and I know Joan, you're not trying to whine. You're trying to be cinematic, but just boy. Talk about the work. Just just show me the work. That's all you got to do. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for sharing your statement, by the way. We always rip it up, and I appreciate that. Also, Joan, you're not the worst writer we've ever read at all. No, I mean, not at all. Like, we're going to be hard on everybody, and you're not, you're not terrible. So please don't walk away from this thinking that, like, you're a bad writer. No, you just chose the wrong story to start your statement with. Dead wrong story, but... You have a lot here, so this is great. Um, yeah. Or potential, a lot of potential here. Uh, anyways, thanks for listening. I say we call it a show, eh? Do it. All right. So you can always join uh, the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook. A lot of people talking about the show and other LSAT-ness there. You can follow us at Thinking LSAT on Instagram and Twitter. You can visit strategyprep.com for live LSAT classes in Washington, D.C. with me or go to foxlsat.com to take live classes with Nathan in San Francisco and or Los Angeles. I would love to have a student taking both an L.A. and a San Francisco class, flying back and forth with you, Nathan. On Southwest Airlines? Yeah, Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) Cool. Um, That's the way to maximize your time with Nathan. Um, You can also check out, we have tutoring and stuff on our websites, but our joint project is lsatdemon.com, especially if you are in the remote parts of the country, that is a great option to free yourself from the grips of maybe the only LSAT option around you, such as Kaplan. Um, but really, anyone can use it anywhere on your phone, and we appreciate everyone who keeps joining every day. Man, that thing keeps growing. Also, our website is thinkinglsat.com. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, even YouTube. That was episode 218 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.